Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. For those of you that are new to the community, I am Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. For those seasoned listeners, thank you so much for joining in to another episode. With me today is Mark Ashby, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about who Mark is. He's the founder of Mark Ashby Consulting. He is a highly regarded specialist who assists multinational companies and their leaders in crisis awareness, cultural change, and high-performance leadership. He has displayed an extraordinary ability to perform optimally under high pressure and stressful scenarios through extensive experiences in the Australian Army as a member of the elite paratroopers. He also spent 11 years in Iraq as a team leader in a highly dangerous private security sector, ensuring the safety of senior U.S. military officials and Austrian, Australian diplomats in Iraq where he carried out 1,600 successful missions without loss. Woohoo! That's a lot, y'all. Since returning to the corporate sector and setting up his own consulting firm in Australia, Mark has been using his experience to assist senior members of multinational companies in high-performance leadership, crisis awareness, and cultural change so that they can become more resilient and adaptable. Mark also recently completed his master's degree in counterterrorism from Macquarie University in Sydney. I hope I pronounced that accurately. Did I, Mark? Macquarie. <laughs> Macquarie. Okay. So that is a little bit about Mark. So let, let's welcome Mark. Mark, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for that uh, wonderful uh, introduction, Genesis. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. It is impressive. So one thing I like to do is allow my guests to connect with the audience. So there are two ways that we can do this. We could either do a rapid fire 10 question game, emphasis on rapid, or an icebreaker. What are you in the mood for, Mark? Oh, how about we go with the the, uh, the 10 questions? <laughs> okay, y'all. <laughs> We're playing rapid fire with Mark and Genesis. Do, 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 do. Question number one. What's one word to describe you, Mark? Tenacious, I think. I'm pretty tenacious. Question two. With the success that you had in Iraq and all of that, what was the hardest thing about doing that and the easiest? I think the easiest part was working in the teams that I was working in, um, working with incredible individuals, really professional uh, guys. Um, and I think the, the the hardest was the the, the mental the mental fatigue of the job, without a doubt, that was the hardest. Question three: If you had the opportunity to trade places with someone for twenty-four to seventy-two hours, would you trade places or remain yourself? No, I think I'd always just remain myself, true to myself. Question four: Favorite color? Uh, purple. Ooh, okay. Question five: What is one scenario in your life that you wish you could recreate if the opportunity came? Oh, that's a good question. I think actually probably spending more time in general with my father because I don't have my father anymore. And with me being away so much in operations and so busy that I really 
I think took that for granted and I was very close with my dad. So I, I miss him terribly. So that's why I'd love to go back and, and recreate that a little bit if I could. Oh gosh, that's mine too. I lost my dad two <laughs> yeah. years ago. Yeah, and he was yeah. literally like my best friend. Yeah, um, terrible. Question six. If money was no option and you came across a windfall of cash, what three charities would you donate to? Oh, something probably pretty close to my heart would be um a lot of the uh, the widows of of, of war, uh, which I, I know quite a lot of these these uh, ladies through friends of mine that have lost their lives. Um, I think it's a very very big one. Um, I think wounded wounded veterans as well, and uh, and because I've got an indigenous background in Australia, it'd be to help help uh, in, indigenous kids in Australia as well. That'd be my three. Question seven: What's your favorite food? I'd say probably Italian as as a as a as a, a whole, but I love I love uh, sort of Thai as well. But probably Italian if I had to choose. <laughs> okay. Question eight: What's your happy place? My happy place is just uh with with my family, with my family and friends. That's my happy place. I love it. Question nine: Would you rather a dream car, a dream home, or heck, let's go big and have both? Um. Oh, I'm a bit of a sucker for a car as well. Um, but I, oh, look, I, I think just to have a happy house above all is, is I think you've got to live in that every day. So probably a house if I had to choose. <laughs> okay. Well, let me add, add a bonus question there. So what would your dream car be then? Oh, pro probably a, um, we, we have an old muscle car in Australia here. It's a bit like your old GT350 Mustangs and GT500 Mustangs. It's it's a, it's called a Phase 3 Falcon. But they're out of my reach now. They're, they're going for over a million dollars a car now. But they're oh, wow. they're like they're like fifty years old, but they're um and hardly any left. So that's my dream car. Oh man, I wonder how much a Lamborghini goes for down there. Oh, that's my dream car. <laughs> yeah, they're way cheap. They're way cheaper than these things. You could buy three Lamborghinis for one of these old muscle cars. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and question ten. It is our pass or play question, and here are the rules. If you pass, our rules are reversed, and you ask me any question. If you play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? No, uh -huh. I'll play. I'll play. Okay. Last question here. So what is one crazy thing or adventurous thing that you have done in your life that people are like, Mark, that's super crazy, but it actually built character. I think spending 11 years in Iraq was probably the craziest thing I've ever done. Um, where everyone probably said that I was crazy at the time. And but it it taught me so much about myself and about working in teams and about about leadership and just really discovering who I was under that immense pressure. So that was probably the the greatest thing I learned from that. Okay, love it. And yes, that is a lot of time spent there. And I'm sure you know you took in a lot of things and you know you learned a lot mentally, physically, emotionally, and all that jazz. So Mark, thank you for playing Rapid Fire and audience. I hope you learned a little bit more about Mark personally and professionally. Now we're going to dive into the main part of the conversation, which is the work that Mark is doing now, high performance leadership. And what does future leadership look like today in a society that is always vying for people's attention and has that, you know, that following mentality versus that leading mentality, in my opinion. So, Mark, what got you involved in high-performance leadership? I, th I was going through university uh, a bit later in life. I went back and did my master's at 48 years of age, which was which was pretty terrifying. And uh, but the best thing I've ever done. And um, it really just 
gave me a lot of time to really absorb what I've done for all my years, uh, you know, 25 years of, of, of all my experience and all those hours uh, working, not just in military, but also in corporate. And something that I just naturally, I think, gravitated towards. And I had a few senior executives that sort of suggested that I maybe go out on my own. Um, and and just said that, like I said, that, that natural sort of, I suppose, drive towards that leadership and, and giving all those years that I could really help people uh, if they were in a bit of a bind in, in their leadership um, life, whether they want to become maybe that real, I don't, I don't want to sound too cliche, but to become that real best version of themselves, you know, to go from being already a good leader to being somebody who was exceptional, um, you know, un, under all that pressure that they work under. And and uh, so that's probably the, the main thing that, that I did, which I, I, I love doing. I love that. And so whenever executives told you, hey, Mark, I think you should go out on your own, were you ever skeptical about it? Or did you question, okay, is this something that they're telling me because maybe I don't fit the mold? Or is it something that they see inside of me as a stretch opportunity to help me increase in in my professional, um, in, my, in your professional upbringing? And because sometimes people could say one thing, but mean it in another way. Oh, I think absolutely. It's something we all, we all have that little bit of fear in us. Um, even when I experienced the Middle East, you know, after many, many years, we, we all still have that element of fear and, and you have that self-doubt, can I do this? And coming from that background that wasn't corporate, <clears throat> yeah, of course, you, you it's a different world and you're thrown in the deep end of that environment and, and you have those those self-doubts. But it's, it's also something that, that I've never had that, um, that fear of not doing it. I think my biggest, uh, you know, I suppose resource that I have myself is that, that I'll always take that chance. I'll always back myself and I and I if I get knocked down, I'll always get up again and try again and come at it from a different angle to make it work. So that was something that I, I thought about it for a long time and uh and it was the best decision that I that I'd ever made to, to go to my own. And like I said, it's just um it comes naturally because you, you put yourself through so many different, you know, situations and you have all these scenarios to to back yourself up with. You're not just going on leadership that you've learned from you know, just doing a nine to five job. It's a different type of leadership. It really is working under those immense pressure where you've got to get it right every time. You can't make a big mistake, Genesis, and you can't go to work, you know, on a Monday morning at a team leaders meeting or a, a board meeting and think, okay, how do we get it right next time? For us, if we got it wrong on operations, maybe somebody lost their life and you can't just, and that happened to us in reality on many occasions. So, you know, we were friends of mine who lost their life and fellow team members and, and yeah, you can't just reset and and uh, think it's it's okay. So that's that's where I really draw on that leadership. I like the fact that you said that because whenever you see it from my perspective, from the outside looking in, it's like you're dealing with stress. You're also dealing with the fact that you did not want to fail because other people are depending on you. You're also dealing with the fact that you know you may be carrying the team, the team on your shoulders. There's a lot of complexities and everything like that, whenever you think about what what you were saying and what I'm hearing, so correct me if I'm wrong, but then also too, during, during all of that and you knowing, okay, if I miss a beat, then this could happen, the cause and effect. Or if I don't do this, then I'm letting myself down because I'm not pushing myself beyond my personal capabilities and stepping outside of my comfort zone. Did you ever, um, during your time in Iraq, during your time in corporate, did you ever feel like taking a step back to recalibrate? In in corporate, no. <laughs> I've always been very directional that I want to try and you know, get get the best out of my opportunity, um, of course. Um, and in, in the Middle East, 
um, on operations, yes, sometimes it, it does get a bit too much and you think, I don't want to have this responsibility of running the teams anymore. But you get pigeonholed, you get you get sort of, I suppose, selected for those roles and you're there for a reason. I had a very, very good boss of mine overseas that I talked to about it that really set me in that path of this is what you're, you're sort of here for, this is what you're meant to do. Uh, you've got to accept it <laughs> because your, your, your team is going to be far stronger with you running the team as opposed to not, you know, as opposed to, to being one of the operators and it's going to make them, it's going to make them safer and it's going to give them a much better chance of getting home to their families. And when you look at it like that, you stop being in a way, you stop having that little bit of self-doubt. Maybe you stop being a little bit selfish as well that you, you don't want to do it anymore. And, um, and once I sort of really understood that where I, I stood in that pecking order over there, I really embraced it. And, and I just put everything into that role every day then for, for my, the rest of my time, because you have those, you have those men's souls underneath you every day and you may know their families, you know, you may know their children and it's that massive incentive because you are close to them. You, you're like a family over there. You're with each other every single day, every night, you know, living in these confined conditions and especially what we were doing these real specialty roles over there. Um, you, you're, you're, you just, you know how each other is going to, uh, literally breathe it's, you become so close and it's so important for me it was for me to get those those guys back home to their families so uh during your stint in iraq and you know you doing the high performance leadership and just knowing that you had these responsibilities and not only just to yourself but also your team and um, their families that extended people away what exactly did a high performance leader look like to you and what are and was it hard to fulfill that every day? I think the term high performance leader is something that I didn't really know about or I hadn't heard about it. Uh, I think it's around about maybe uh, 2005 or six. So I was I, I you know, you hear this sometimes and I'm a bit fascinated by it. And I, I was keen to really find out what it actually meant because I didn't know. It was a bit of a new sort of term or phrase that was coming out. Um, and I sort of associated it with maybe uh like a, like a sports a, a sports star somebody like that you know it was a real hot performer someone like michael jordan or something you know at the top of his game <laughs> but then i really learned what it means and you don't get a, you don't come across a lot of them now i'm really familiar with that term it's not like there's so many leaders out there and there's so many great leaders that are amazing at their roles they may be in c-suite or ceos and they run their teams they're very profitable but they get very comfortable at their apex where they are and they don't really want to expand on that too much more. Where I find a lot of the high performance leaders, they want to just keep on um, advancing. I had a a two star US general that I worked under overseas, an incredible man he was, uh, and he really taught me how to juggle professionalism, um, but also having empathy coming into it. But it also had to be this incredible driving force that had the respect of all of his soldiers. In, in that battlefield environment and he had such pressure and, and and i suppose stress on his shoulders but how he carried it out how calm he was but and always that that um ability to to help others he was very very open to to give you conversation and, and to help you but he he was so advanced in his his thought process and and he was probably the first introduction to a real high performance leader that i've that i've come across and he's still one of the best to this day i won't say his name but he, if he's listening he will know who i'm talking about <laughs> I love that. And whenever you think about that, so it's like he was a mentor, a mentor for you and a person that you could shadow and look up to because of how he carried himself, the work he did, and also the overall demeanor. Would you say that that was correct? Did I hear you right, Mark? Yeah, yeah. Very calm demeanor. I never, ever saw him speak derogatory to any of his soldiers. 
Um, even when mistakes were made, he was like, okay, how do we learn from this mistake? He'd look at things from different angles. And that's why I saw saw him as being such a, a an amazing leader. And he was very visionary and he, he was very adaptive. Uh, and and he, he's, you know, like I said, like his vision moving forward. And so, but, you know, it, it comes with great stress, but he was one of the few characters, especially at that real high level that, I never saw Lucy's cool. Maybe he did behind doors, but I never saw it out in the open when it mattered. And that's important because, you know, a lot of people are looking at you, even though you may not think that people are looking at you. And when you think about high performance leaders and you think about the future leaders, what are what are some ways that we can lay a foundation as a high performance leader, but also letting future leaders know, OK, these are some characteristics you need. These are some skills you need in order for you to get to the level that you want to be in. Well, I think. Years gone by that that those these little character traits that have sort of come in now. Um, I think COVID itself, COVID has also sped up this process, um, where you've got now a lot of remote re- remote sort of working environments and hybrid working environments. And I think a lot of leaders they've had to adapt themselves naturally. They've had to bring in that maybe that that empathetic side that they didn't have before. That bit of understanding is now going to be different environments moving forward. And I think the work the work sphere itself. Uh, especially in corporate and professional sectors, it's never going to be like it was before. I think things have probably changed now forever. Um, how that goes forward, I think none of us really know if that sort of starts morphing back to the the old old ways a little bit. But I think a lot of a lot of sectors now have changed forever, and I've noticed that massively. So I think a lot of those traits that leaders have got to really adapt going forward. Like I said, that 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 empathetic side. Um, being understanding of your people and having that flexibility in that work environment, as long as it can keep your business profitable and going and productive. That, of course, that's that's what matters because it keeps everybody fed. It keeps everyone moving along. Um, I think the ones that the leaders, especially at that board level and above, that don't adapt these these measures going forward, maybe they're going to struggle a little bit. And because I've found that the, the workers of today, especially a lot of the young kids coming through, they're, they're fearless. They're not scared to... To just leave like you know at my age when i was young we had a job you wanted to keep your job no matter what and you put up with it you put up with bad behavior but i think the a lot of the kids coming through now especially a lot of kids that i've met through university and they are fearless and they all talk to each other and we've even had a bit of a uh a, a bit of a process in corporate where teams are living now they're living in whole teams the biggest i've seen is one team that was like 17 people that left together for a rival organization and this was a big organization they left and left them in such a pickle because these are all senior managers and and you know, one was an associate director and um and that was a that team that was a big cyber team for them to leave like that wow that's a massive hole in the and the uh i think it was the um the chief uh, financial officer was was absolutely you know um and and I was t- talking to the CFO and she was absolutely terrified of, of how they're going to move forward and replace those people so that's one to think about. Yeah. And, you know, that's a great point you brought up. The empathetic side, understanding, flexibility. I would also say transparency too. Transparent and communication and feedback, like 360 feedback. Like not only are the people at the top, you know, giving feedback, but they should be receiving feedback from the people at the bottom. And it should be a mix because you may not always be privy on what's going going on at a level bo- below you if you're not down there doing the grunt work, in my opinion. So you should be able to have these open and honest dialogue conversations 
and also training, training and development, TND, that can go a long way too whenever you're thinking about high performance leadership, because just like the world is changing and evolving, we as individuals must continue to evolve and change in order for us to be resilient and for us to shake things up. Like I'm a millennial and, you know, some millennials were saying that they stay at a job for two years and they move on because that's now a career. Whereas someone my mom's age, baby boomers, you get on a job, you stay there and you retire, you want your pension, your 401k, all of your benefits. But now times have changed and you mentioned, you know, flexibility, working from home, now hybrid, all of these things come into play. And if a leader only sees something like the brick and mortar way, but they don't see it the new way, then that can also take people out of, you know, the work pool or people not being able to resonate or, you know, um, have that revelation knowledge with you because you're not looking at it on a holistic level. You're only looking at it with tunnel vision. Yeah, yes. And it's all great points, isn't it? Like you said, that, that thing, communication is such a huge one. For us overseas, it was it was everything. It was our communication, you know, from above and how I, you know, communicated with with my team, uh, my team operators, and you've got to have that real innovative mindset. And like you said, also, um, just having that real clear voice to the top. If you've got a, a problem in an organisation, I don't care how big it is, you've got to be able to speak out, and not in a, a negative way, also in a positive way. You can't be inhibited. You've got to be able to have that 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 ability, that chain where you can actually bring out ideas and give your people that ability to shine you know you've got to back them and really trust them and allow those experts in your field to do what they're good at don't don't, don't suppress them and uh it's it's so important and you may just find if you treat your staff well look after them like you said with communication and and, and great training and and you know different methods that they may be the ones that actually never want to leave they actually want to stay yeah and you mentioned a good point there you said back yourself and another thing you talk about is back yourself and follow your dreams. And I think that's important for a leader because if you don't have a vision, you don't have clarity or any form of direction, then how can you effectively lead people besides and under you? So how can someone really back themselves and follow their dreams without being cutthroat? I think, look, in, in this version of our life that we have now, this, this is pretty much it. You get one chance at this life. Um, you know, and, and after this life, then then you know we go off to to our other place. But right now, this is all we have, and so we you've got to you don't want to look back with with regrets. You don't look back at life and think oh, I wish I had have done this. And and I think so many people that I meet in life, they really do that. They they think I'll do it next year or I'll do it in six months. I've always had that mindset um, of just going out and grabbing it. And if you fail, we all fail sometimes. I mean, it doesn't matter. You, you get knocked down. And you just get up and you go again and maybe look at it from a different angle next time. Just don't have the same approach. If you come in from the left the first time, then maybe coming from the right the second time. But if you want something bad enough in life, and I'm living proof of that, I didn't you know, have a, a big high school education and I, I didn't go to university when I was young. I was a, a tradesman. Then I went to the, the military. And I'm living proof that, that you can you can achieve anything in life if you want, if you want it bad enough and you, you, you're preparing, prepared to work hard enough for it. Um, and and I'd never ever thought in my life I would be where I am now, but I've done it through hard work and sacrifice. And I had a dream. My dream was was to do this. You know, I, I always had very good parents that really, I suppose, backed me in that in that sort of life as well. And a wonderful partner in life that that, that you know she really also you know pushed me forward. But that's my advice to, to people. You know, if you've got a dream, like don't don't you know don't sit back and 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 wonder why. 
don't don't die wondering. You, you've got to you know make the most of it and grab those opportunities. I love it. I love what you said. So, and I would also add in what a uh, line from Les Brown: "You gotta be hungry." <laughs> Yeah. And just go after it. And I love the fact that you gave credit to your partner. You also gave credit to your parents and you gave credit most importantly to yourself because you had a dream and you weren't going to let what you did not have given to you at a certain time limit you from the possibilities. You were limitless. You were fearless. And even though you did things later in life, you still learned the valuable skills early on and you had the vision to go out and grab a hold of what it is that you personally desire and how it was going to make an impact and drive an imprint. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, look, it's 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 very simple too. We're all we're all good at something in life. You've just got to understand what you're good at. Don't try and be a master of everything. That's the mistake that I say to people. Um, don't try and be too, you know, have, have too many sort of spe- sectors and too many spheres. You're just going to get yourself confused and somebody else confused. Do what you're good at, do it well, um, and, and and back yourself. And and if you you do those those key ingredients, be prepared to work hard. Everything takes a bit of time. You're not going to get this. I think everybody thought after COVID, a lot of people, especially in in coaching and arenas like that, thought they'd get rich really quickly. They'd think within two months of leaving my my high paying corporate job, I'm going to be a highly successful coach. And it takes time. Um, it, it's going to take you a, a good probably a good couple of years to get established. But if you can get through those 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 sort of uh you know leaner times you're going to do very very well for yourself but you've got to back yourself i love that and when you back yourself don't be afraid to fail and if you see fail as first attempt in learning then it'll also drive you to continue to build the momentum because you know on the other side of failure is success and think about all of the athletes all of the celebrities all of those people they failed a lot and you know they had a lot of star ugly moments but if they would have stayed in those star ugly moments and if they would allow the failure to cause them to wallow they wouldn't be these great athletes and the men and women that they are today so i hope that inspires you now let's jump into the cta mark um what is your call to action for the audience today and if you want to interject something else that i may not have asked you feel free to do so before we wind down yeah my biggest message is it's the same thing it's it's uh live live, live your dream um don't don't uh, don't die wondering and uh you know I think that you've got to always keep progressing. You've got to keep on learning. Don't ever be afraid to learn. Um, I, I love it myself. You know, don't be afraid to take advice of somebody else and get yourself a coach. Or, you know, I've had my own mentors and and my own coaches, and it's it works a treat. And uh, that that's just my my biggest message out. That's my sort of my style of call to action. And Mark, how can the audience get a hold of you? What's your website, and where do you primarily hang out on social media, if any? Yeah, my website is, um, it's just markashbyconsulting.com. Um, my direct email is is mark at markashbyconsulting.com. And my biggest platform that I'm on is uh, is, is LinkedIn. And I generally generally post LinkedIn sort of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. Um, so I'm pretty quite prolific on LinkedIn as well. And from the consulting um, side, is there any specific area that you consult on or is it just strictly high performance leadership? Yeah, it's it's generally in like I said, it's generally in that leadership sphere, but also in sort of risk and crisis awareness, um, which is which is obviously that that natural sort of uh, part of my background that, like I said, comes very very naturally. 
um, which I still really enjoy doing as well. So to me, it's almost like riding a bike, that, that, that whole area of risk and crisis awareness because of, I was involved in it for so many years, but I really love that, that leadership side of it as well. Okay, awesome. And can you leave the audience with one leadership quote that stands out to you and helps you get back on track? For me, it was it, it was something that I lived by overseas, um, and it was it was it's a it's a bit of a morbid style quote if you want to call it, but it's something I lived by, and it was uh, I'd rather die trying than die not. And for me, that was in other words, I don't want to I don't want to go down on my knees. I want to go out on my on my feet, and I, I really want to give it the best best um, opportunity of, of success. And, and that's that's something that I really lived by. And that I really inst- inst- sort of instilled into my my men overseas, so that's my one. <laughs> I love that. And there you have it, folks. Mark Ashby with Mark Ashby Consulting. All of his contact information will be in the show notes, so there's no excuse for you not to find him or connect with him. Make sure you like, comment, follow, and subscribe. We're on forty plus audio platforms and you can see the video to this recording on our youtube channel by going to gems with genesis amaris hemp and lastly but not least my big ask ask is for brand sponsors and listener supporters to the does take monetary resources to fuel the mission and movement behind the show so if that resonates with you and you want to learn more info feel free to reach out to me. All of my contact information will be in the show notes and leave a review. Reviews help me. Feedback is a gift. I take what I like, build upon it, and what I don't need right there, I'm going to put it in my back pocket so I can make those withdrawals later on in life. Until then, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Signing out, Miss Genesis Amaris Kent and Mark Ashby. Thank you. Thank you very much, Genesis. Been a, been a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS. G-E-M-S with W-I-T-H Genesis G-E-N-E-S-I-S Amaris A-M-A-R-I-S Kemp K-E-M-P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.